0: we kicked off a new series last week and said i should say uh, that is titled let's get real it's our fall series and we talked about real impact last week and what does real impact look like and i just want to celebrate the impact that we are seeing as a church that just two weeks ago we baptized 21 people spontaneously for our birthday basket. can we celebrate that yeah And then last week we had our outpost tailgate and had just hundreds of people connecting and many of them taking that first step to join an outpost, to start an outpost, to begin living on mission. And this morning we're baptizing two more people, one at nine o'clock and then another one at 1130. So God is definitely doing something here and using our church to have an impact. And we just celebrate and give him glory where glory is due and praise to his name for all that he's doing. And today we get to talk about a really fun topic, which is the topic of marriage. So we're going to be talking about marriage today in a message titled, Let's Get Real About Marriage. Let's get real about marriage. And I'm excited to jump into that. So eight years ago, we got married and we got married up in Marion, Indiana, my wife's hometown. And our wedding was just a fun, big old party, two to 300 people there. Uh, we stayed an hour later than the venue uh, allowed us to stay and they let us do that. And when they shut that down, everybody went back to the hotel where everybody was staying at. And somehow my dad convinced the hotel manager to open the pool back up. And he ordered a bunch of pizzas for everybody. So everybody's hanging out, like having a good time and all that. And um, here's, here's what the next morning was like for me. So I woke up in our hotel room. And you know they have those tiny little like clocks on the microwave in every hotel room. You guys know what I'm talking about? And I'm like partly blind, so I'm waking up kind of half asleep, looking at it, and I'm like, no, that can't be right. That, ten- that time cannot be right. And I look at the time, and it says something like 8 o'clock or 8.30, whatever it is at this point. So I look around and find my phone and look at my phone and confirm, no, the time, in fact, is 8.30. The only problem is that we had a 7.30 flight that morning to leave for our honeymoon. And so I have this moment where I'm like, okay, think for a second, Nate. What, what, what are you going to do? Uh, we covered a lot of things in premarital counseling. A, a missed flight for your honeymoon was not one of them. And so I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, think, think, think. And I'm like, well, I'm going to have to wake Shayna up at some point. She's going to have to know what happened. And so I like gently tap her. I'm like, hey, 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 Shana. Hey, I, hey, babe, I, I think we missed our flight. And she sat straight up in the bed got up and then she starts like frantically grabbing all the clothes and everything around the room, packing up the bags and trying to get And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. We missed the flight. It was like an hour and a half ago. We missed the flight and we're up in Marion and we're flying out of Indy. So that would take like over an hour to get down there. And she's like packing everything up. And, um, I- I'm like, what do I do? And do you need help? And so she just stops, sat on the bed and then just starts bawling her eyes out. And I'm like, okay, um, Husband, you know, what do you do right now? And I'm still trying to figure it out. So I'm like, maybe let, let me comfort her. Let me sit down. She's like, just go grab this stuff. And I'm like, okay, I, I don't know what to do. And have you ever had that moment in marriage where you're just like, I, I, I don't know what to do. And this is not what I expected. I expected to be on a plane or maybe on a beach somewhere, honeymoon, having the time of our lives. Instead, this marriage is starting out with a missed flight and The beauty in that was that that whole next day, we drove down to Indy, got to the airport about noon at this point, walk up to the counter and we're like, hey, we missed our flight. And they're like, oh, yeah, what time was it? Oh, it was 730. It's like maybe one o'clock in the afternoon at this point. They just looked at us really confused, like, what? That's like, you didn't just miss it. That was like over five hours ago. But that whole next day ended up being a Sabbath day for us where we got to rest and just spend time together. And that really helped us actually going into a honeymoon to enjoy our honeymoon more. But have you ever had those moments where marriage is just not what you expected? Where maybe you feel confused. You're like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what we're going to get real about marriage and if we're being honest, many of us have lived those moments before, or maybe you might even be walking through a season like that right now. And the hope is that as we get real and actually talk about what marriage is really about, that that would offer hope to you and to realize that God wants to meet you right where you are today, no matter where your marriage is at, or maybe you're even dating in the room or engaged in the room right now that some of what we're going to be talking about can help you to figure out the kind of marriage that you want to build for your life. So pray with me as we do that. Father, we just pause right now, to invite you into this space. And I know that talking about marriage brings up so many different emotions for some people. There's those that are maybe in the room and they've been married for years and years and decades of just so much love and joy that they have right now in the season that they're in in their marriage. And then there's some that maybe have experienced a lot of just heartbreak in marriage, maybe where there's been even infidelity or there's even been abuse and that ended poorly and got wherever they're at this morning, whoever is listening to this right now, I know that you want to speak to them right where they are and just to bring us back to a place of hope because God, marriage is your idea and that you created marriage as a very good thing for us to have and to enjoy. And so I just pray that we would just focus on your goodness this morning. Father, Father, would you remove me out of the way and not my words, but yours, I want to speak so clearly this morning. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Amen. So I want to do something a little bit different this morning. Typically, if you've been here and you've heard me preach, I'll take a text we'll dissect it verse by verse, and we walk through it, and we apply it to our lives, we talk through it. And what I've, I've found is that with marriage, a lot of times, people can focus on the one or two verses that bring up a lot of just different, even divisions or different views on, and they can talk about the gender roles or submission and love and respect and all these things that are all different aspects of marriage. But I really want to take a much broader approach this morning to look at not just one verse or a particular verse, but to look at marriage as a whole as fitting within a greater story of a God who loves us, who created us for a relationship with him, who his love moved him to send his own son for us when we had turned our backs on him to send his own son to a cross for us to redeem us so that we can live with him forever. See, merits fits within the greater story of God's redemptive plan and what he's doing in our world. So that's kind of the approach that we're going to take this morning as we're talking about this topic. So turn with me to Genesis 1. Chapter one, let's go all the way back to the beginning. And it says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. So two words that come up over and over again, when you read Genesis one and two is God, and it's a word good. It's telling us this, that God is a good God who created everything good. That the the marriage is a good gift he created. And over and over again, everything he creates, he makes the animals, and that was good. And he makes the the sky and the seas and the sun and the moon and everything over and over again. It's good, it's good, it's good. God, and it's good, and it's good. And over and over again, it's almost as if the author wants to overemphasize that everything God made was good because he is a good God. But then jump down to verse 18 of chapter 2. And there's kind of an abrupt shift in the story here when it says "It's then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And a lot of times, I think, within Christian circles, we focus on that word helper, and what does that mean, and who's supposed to be uh, leading in a marriage relationship, and who's supposed to submit to who, and who can, and all those things are great conversations that we can have, and by the way, I know uh, Christians that I respect, and great scholars that hold different views on that, and it's okay, we can agree to disagree on that, because it's not the most important thing. I believe that the most important thing about this verse is saying this, that God as he's creating everything good, looks at Adam and he says, it is not good that Adam should be alone. So he makes him a helper, get this, who is fit for him. Somebody that is actually meant for him or they're supposed to have this amazing relationship unlike any other relationship that he has where there's supposed to be a, a harmony and a, a love there and God created marriage as a very good thing and made Adam and Eve to be a good fit who were meant for one another. Now, if we're being real about marriage, doesn't it feel sometimes like in marriage your spouse is a not a good fit for you? Maybe you're like, man, they seem like more of a misfit <laughs> than a fit for me right now. When you're just having those challenges and... It's so easy to find ourselves there in marriage. And you just might be asking, well, why is that the case? If God created Adam and Eve to be such a great fit for each other, and at the end of all of that, he says it is very good, then why is it that it can feel like we are misfits with one one another sometimes? And it's because of Genesis 3. When you jump down just a chapter in Genesis, the fall of mankind happens when Adam and Eve disobey God. And that fall of mankind leads to broken relationships that all the different relationships that God created between man and himself and man and nature and man and man and all these things are broken now. And so the fall of mankind created this, broken relationships. There's a broken relationship between man and God that he is now holy and we are unholy. And there's now that gap between us that Jesus stepped in and filled. And there's this brokenness between us and man. That's why so many people rebel from God today that you might see around us. And there's a broken relationship between man and man. Right after the fall happens, there's a lot of blame. Well, God, it was the woman that you gave me. Well, it was her that did. And and there's all this shame now that they're surrounded by and they're hiding from God. And there's now this brokenness within man and himself as well. That all the different identity issues or just brokenness within ourselves that we have is all because of this fall of mankind. And there's a brokenness between man and creation that all the different natural disasters that you see and just the weird relationships that we can even have with nature, that all happens as a result of this fall that took place and broken relationships lead to hardship in our lives. Which is why if we're being real about marriage, it's very easy and quickly you recognize that marriage can be so hard sometimes because of the broken relationships that we have. So if you're taking notes this morning, marriage is hard work if we're being real about that. Marriage is hard work. And have you ever had those hard days in your life where you're just like, things are just not going my way right now? So yesterday, actually, we woke up. And uh, first thing right away is Shayna woke up with a migraine, which if you don't know my wife, she is the glue that holds everything together in our house. She's amazing, capable mom, all of that. And so that meant that she had to spend part of the day actually in bed. And the problem is that that left me with three kids and um, recently my daughter actually who is five was asking me one day when I think Shana was gone for something and she was like dad do you really think you can handle three kids all by yourself I'm just gonna say she never asked her mom that question but even my kids like recognize right so I spent most of the morning yesterday it's one on three trying to feed the kids and all of that and the only problem is that we, we also had plans later that day to go to a wedding And so I'm doing all of this, and then we have to get the kids ready. Well, during this time, uh, my daughter, who's five, decided to go over to the neighbor's house to play with their daughter, who she's close friends with. So she goes to do that, and then my son, who's four, can't find her, so he decides to wander down to the neighbor's house, doesn't find them, so he's walking back now crying, Mommy, Daddy, walking down our street... And a stranger pulls up and is like walking him back to the house. So I'm out there trying to find him. And if you want a lesson on parenting, Pastor Envita is going to be preaching next week about real parenting. Come and listen to that because I'm not that guy. I'm not going to give you that advice. But So I run out there. I'm trying to find him. And while all of this is going on, we're trying to get ready for a wedding. The baby is screaming when we set her down because she wants to be held. We all get in the van, drive over to the neighbor's house. My daughter won't leave because she's having fun with the neighbor, doesn't want to leave. So I'm making threats at this point. I'm just ready. I'm like, I'm just done. But it just felt, it felt like everything was just hard in the moment. Have you ever had days like that? And you just realize, man, life is just hard. Why is that sometimes? Reality is, reality is that we live in a fallen world and that leads to hardship. So Genesis three sixteen. After they disobey God, look at what God tells them as a consequence of their sin now. That is going to be the reality for every human being because of the single thing, sin entering into the world. He says this in verse 16, to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desires shall be contrary to your husband. Here it is, that broken relationship. But he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Let me summarize those two verses for you. It means your life is going to be a whole lot harder and your relationships are going to be a whole lot harder. Because of sin entering into our world. And that's why it can feel like, man, marriage, we love each other. We're committed to each other. But man, if I'm I'm being honest, if I'm being real, it is just so hard sometimes to get along and to work things out. And I just love that God in his amazing wisdom and sovereignty doesn't just say, well, I created this good thing and you guys ruined it. Now it's done. Marriage is forever going to be this awful, hard thing that you just have to endure. Nor our God is a God who redeems. And so here's what God steps in and does. He then makes a godly marriage one of his best discipleship tools. A godly marriage is one of God's best discipleship tools. And if you think about discipleship in your own life, uh, it's not easy, is it? That there's a part of us that's in there that is of the flesh. And I know we just wrapped up a series on, called New Drip. If you haven't seen those messages, go and watch them. Because it was all about talking about there's this old self that we have now in the flesh. And this new life that we now have in Christ. The two are constantly at war with each other. And God is making us new. But sin, sin still has kind of this grip on us sometimes. And we're fighting to become new and more and more like Jesus. And that's what discipleship is. And in that Paul says to put to death what is earthly in you. That discipleship is an act of dying to yourself, which is where the hard work comes in sometimes. And in marriage, you just have those moments where it's like, man, it's just so hard right now. And the reality is that every single one of us have things within us that God wants to change, to grow us, to disciple us, to make us more like Jesus. And I remember our first year of marriage. We're living in Illinois at the time and I don't even know what the disagreement was over. So we get into this argument, this fight, it's late at night and I just get so mad and I'm like, that's it, I'm walking out. So I go you know, grab my keys and go get in my car and I just start driving around and like, I end up in the parking lot of the McDonald's that was down the road from our house and I'm just sitting there and I just have this moment where I'm like, do you realize how ridiculous you look right now? It's 11 o'clock midnight and you're sitting in your car in the parking lot of of a McDonald's when you've got this amazing wife at home and this amazing home you guys have together and it's cold or whatever it is and you're sitting in your car. And in that moment, God just began to do a work in me, just teaching me, hey, you have a lot that I want to actually teach you through this. Because the reality is that I was an immature 23-year-old who was resisting maybe what God was trying to do in my own life through my spouse. And so often in marriage, we can forget that and we can forget this, that the imperfections that you see in your spouse are often reflections of what God wants to do in your own life. The imperfections you see in your spouse are oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes they are reflections of what God actually wants to do in your life. He wants to disciple you. He wants to grow you. And we can begin to say things like this. Well, I'd just be more patient if my spouse just had more common sense. Well, well, I would just respect him more, respect her more, if they just had a little bit more self-respect. Have you ever been there before? We can say things like this. Well, I would just show him more love and affection if they were just nicer or kinder to me. And maybe could it be that God in the midst of that is trying to teach you to become more patient? It's trying to teach you to become more loving. It's trying to teach you to respect more. And the reality is that maybe it's not just your wife who's seeing that you actually could use some more patience. Your kids see it, your coworkers see it, your friends see it, and yet we can turn all of that and begin to say, no, they are the problem to resist the work that God is trying to do in our own lives. The imperfections that you see in your spouse are oftentimes reflections of what God wants to do in your own life. And you can choose to resist it And it leads to a lot of fighting and conflict in marriages. Or you can choose to receive it and then growth happens and you get the benefit and joys of a marriage that is healthy and godly. For some of you in the room, some of you need to hear this today that your spouse isn't the problem. Your spouse isn't the problem. Now this doesn't apply to situations clearly where there's abuse going on and there's brokenness going on in the, but for generally speaking in a healthy relationship, when you have those conflict moments where you begin to think, well, he's annoying. She's this. He doesn't respect me. He doesn't love me. Whatever it is, it can begin to say some of you today, you just need to remember this, that your spouse is not the problem. And that instead of fighting each other, why don't you fight sin together? Because that's really what's happening is the sin that we all have in our own lives can cause all the conflicts because there's selfishness, there's immaturity, there's brokenness that we have, there's the flesh that I still have that can lead to a lot of issues in my marriage. Instead of fighting my spouse, I'm going to choose to fight the sin in my own life and we're going to come together, we're going to choose to fight sin together. And by the way, I would encourage you to fight the enemy together who is against your marriage, who wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy what God intended to be an amazing gift for you. So can I just remind you, maybe if that's you and you're beginning to just look at the other person and say, well, he's this and she's that. And he's the reason why we argue all the time. And instead of pointing fingers at them to begin to maybe ask yourself, God, is there anything in me that you want to do to help me to become more like Christ? And the more you grow and become like Christ, the more enjoyable your marriage is going to become. That so many people, they get married, and if you're single right now or dating in the room, everybody wants to get married because they want that idea of happily ever after. We're going to get married. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing from here on out. And you don't realize this, that happily ever after is a byproduct of holiness. Happily ever after is a byproduct of holiness. What, What do I mean by holiness? It means simply becoming more and more like Jesus. That you think about the best spouse that you can have is the person who looks most like jesus that as you're looking for who do i marry or the person i married how can i become the kind of spouse that is a blessing to my wife or to my husband it's by becoming more and more like jesus because when you become like jesus you get to see the fruit of the spirit alive and well through you and you get to live that out That you begin to just bear those fruits of joy and love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, self-control. And listen, that is the kind of spouse that you want to be married to. And that's the kind of spouse that God is calling us to be in marriage because happily ever after is a byproduct of holiness. And the more both of you can pursue holiness together, the more you're going to get to enjoy the blessing that comes from marriage. Because marriage is hard work, but the work is well worth it. And number two, marriage requires sacrifice. How many of you love the word sacrifice? That's what I thought. Because there's nothing in us, right? We're, we're all selfish if we're being honest. We can all be very self-centered. And the only time we like the word sacrifice is when somebody else is sacrificing for us. But in marriage, God calls us to learn to sacrifice for the other person. And he says this in Ephesians five twenty-five through 26. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. And this applies to both men and women that the kind of love that we're called to have for one another in marriage is the self-sacrificing kind of love that Jesus has for us. And that kind of love is, by the way, the kind of love that God uses to sanctify not just you giving it, but also the person receiving it. Now I was just talking to one of our members earlier who uh, had a spouse go through a major crisis of faith and who's just been lovingly, every single day, sacrificing, loving that spouse. And that is one of the most godly things that you can do is even when somebody is walking through a difficult season or they're going through a crisis of faith, you getting to love them and show them the love of Christ is one of the things that God uses. I've heard the story over and over again to call somebody into a relationship with themselves. And that's the kind of love that he's calling us to have and to sacrifice. But so many of us, we don't like that because many of us tend to gravitate to our, towards transactional relationships. And there's a huge difference that the marriage relationship is a covenant, not a transactional relationship. And here's what I mean by that. Here's the math for a transactional relationship. I do my part and they do theirs. So we can begin to say things like this in a relationship. Well. 50-50. Can we put that up? There we go. So in a transactional relationship, the people that really don't understand how relationships work will say, well, it should be 50-50. And by the way, this is, this is how many marriages end, right? It's 50-50. You take what's yours. I take what's mine. And some of us will, you know, think, well, we're doing a little better than that. Well, we'll say, no, 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 it's, it's 100-100. And that is even in that situation, still a transaction. I'm doing 100% because I expect you to do 100%. But here's what a covenant does. A covenant says, because of this covenant I've made with you, I am going to commit myself to giving 100% of myself, no matter what you do. And that's why it says that the, the relationship, the marriage relationship is supposed to model the kind of love that Christ has for us, because Christ made a co- covenant with us. That's why in Romans 5, 8, it says this, that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we were pursuing after him, not when we had done our part to kind of come closer to him and then he drew near to it. No, no, no. While we had our backs turned on him, he loved us, he pursued us, and he offered himself up for us. That's how he's calling us to live in this marriage covenant. So how, how, how are we doing on that? Married couples in the room? Because a lot of times what I hear is, well, I'm the one who does everything around here. Well I do the dishes, well I take care of the kids, and I do this, and he doesn't, and she doesn't. And is that really the covenant relationship that God has called us to live in within marriage? Realize this that a covenant is you do 100 percent. 100 percent of your part, no matter what they do, because ultimately it is Christ that you are serving as you serve your spouse. If you're married, one of the best ways that you can serve God is by learning to serve your spouse. And when you serve them in this way, you are, by the way, embodying the heart and the character and the nature of who Jesus is. Because that's what he has done for us. And another way that I say it is this, is that marriage is for losers. I'm going to let that one sit for a second. Marriage is for losers. I've just been married long enough to realize that the people that have the best marriages are the people that have learned to lose and to lose really well because they realize that in marriage losing is actually getting to win that there's sometimes conflict or whatever is going on and we're so just bent on i've got to win this argument whatever it is and the people that learn to sacrifice to learn the people that learn to give and to lose are the people that get to experience the joy of a healthy marriage because they're living out what christ has done for every single one of us marriage is for losers because it requires so much sacrifice from you. And by the way, you know who the biggest loser was? Jesus himself. And I know some of you right now want to maybe throw your Bibles at me, but let's look at Scripture, what Scripture says. It says this, have this mind among yourselves in Philippians 2, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, think about that for a second. Jesus was in all this glory. He was in the form of God. He didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Jesus' love actually cost him something. He had to set aside his throne in heaven to step into our mess with us. And that's the kind of love that he's calling every single one one of us to have. And it says, because he did that, therefore God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And man, there is so much joy And the author of Hebrews says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross on our behalf. That there's joy that is on the other side of sacrifice and marriage. Because we get to become more and more like Jesus. And to remember that as you're serving your spouse, it is really Christ that you are serving. Colossians 3 that we looked at a couple weeks ago says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remembering that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. And that the master you are serving is Christ. So can I just maybe challenge you? You're in a difficult season right now. It feels like you're doing your part. The other person is not doing their part to continue to serve them. As you're doing that, you are becoming more and more like Jesus. Don't lose heart. Continue to serve and continue to learn to sacrifice. And number three, with help, marriage can be a great blessing. With help, Marriage can be a great blessing. I just love this so much about our God that God never calls us to do something, to step out in faith, to step into marriage without also offering us the help to do it. Every single time that he's called, anybody, you read the Old Testament, the New Testament, it was always he empowered people. In the New Testament, he says this in the book of Acts, you will receive power and then you'll be my witnesses. And everything that God calls us to do, over and over again, he's reminding us that I'm with you and I'm gonna give you the help that you need so you can actually depend on me. One of my favorite verses is from 2 Peter 1, 3, and he says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So what, what kind of help has God given us in marriage? He's given you the Holy Spirit that is living and dwelling inside you. The scripture said that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now alive and at work in you as you're learning to put to death the selfishness and the sin in your own life and to place somebody else's needs before your own, the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside you and is convicting you, revealing things to you, is giving you the strength to learn to serve the other person, to love the other person. All these things happen because of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, and God has also given us a godly community around us. Read the Bible. You will not find a single verse that talks about, go out there, just go live your faith on your own. There isn't a single verse that says, just go, just do your marriage on your own and figure it out on your own. And so many of us, there's just these ideas from culture that we've oftentimes allowed to impact how we live out our faith. And we tend to live isolated lives rather than surrounding ourselves with a godly community both friends and family that have great marriages that are maybe ahead of you that you can look to and imitate their example and imitate their lives as they're imitating Christ and learn what it looks like to be a husband and a wife. And if you don't have any godly examples or role models in your life, your marriage is bound to struggle. So who are those people that are maybe coming alongside you and helping you as well as you're learning and you're challenging one another? And I have so many guys in my life that are both pastors and non-pastors that are just Men that I respect a lot that are solid dads, solid husbands that I get to do life with. And in those moments when I'm wrestling with things in my own life, these are guys that I talk to and we challenge one another. And here's what we're doing. We're reminding each other to live the life that God has called us to live. As a husband, as a dad, as a pastor, as a neighbor, we're constantly doing that for one another. So who are the people in your life? Who's the godly community that you're surrounding yourself with? For some of you, that means maybe today going out there and signing up to join an outpost or maybe to start one with some other couples where you just commit and say, we're going to commit to pursuing the marriage that God has for us. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us a godly community. And he's also given us the church as an amazing resource to come alongside couples and to talk about what it means to be married and what should that look like? How do you have a marriage that glorifies God? And he's given us the church. And by the way, I love this that here at our church, there's an amazing ministry we have that is called the Significant Marriage Ministry that Dave and Mary Gothy run that. And it's a ministry that they've taken all around the world, multiple continents. In fact, they're in Europe right now, leading a seminar with couples over there. And we have seen it radically change the lives and the marriages of so many couples. And I wanna share a little bit about that ministry with you right now. So take a look at this video. Hi, we're Dave and Mary of The Significant Marriage. We founded The Significant Marriage because we had worked with couples in crisis for so many years that we wanted to do something to prevent them from ever needing a crisis weekend. And so when we were writing the significant marriage it was really to help a couple learn how to protect their marriage how to be intentional but as we were writing it god really changed the message in our hearts that we needed to set couples on mission that the significant marriage was going to be about finding out god's purpose for you as a couple and then making a difference in the world i think we went into tsm already having a lot of Um, experience with marriage counseling and marriage conferences and marriage seminars and uh, this was hands down the best experience that we've had. It helped us to begin to formulate what is what is the design that God has for our life and then we have a target now to be able to um, build everything in our life and in our marriage around that design. I felt that um, it opened up the conversation. It was amazing for us. We had conversations that we've never had before. TSM put me in a space where I have to evaluate myself and understand my personality and understand how do I actually love my wife and actually live with a plan of, this is how I'm gonna do this. This is how I'm gonna protect my marriage. This is how I'm gonna invest in my marriage. We had been to um, a couple of marriage conferences before and Mm -hmm. so I think myself going in, I was expecting kind of the same thing and what we got out of it was really different in terms of how we understood um, ourselves individually and then how we understood the other person more. They take you on this journey of self-awareness. So you figure out how you're different from your spouse. You're able to get aligned on your core values. And sometimes just that awareness is enough to have that aha moment. And you start to figure out, wow, okay, this is what I'm bringing to the marriage and this is how I can have empathy for how my spouse is different. It was really affirming in a lot of ways and just solidifying who we are as people, who we are as a couple. Like right now we're kind of in you know, building our marriage and just that foundation and the family. And eventually I think God is gonna be able to use our story and just the redemption through our story and the forgiveness and the grace and everything that, that came out of it to, to help other married couples. Our hope is that it will motivate you To follow all the plans that you have developed so that you can achieve the things you have set for yourselves. And fulfill that purpose that God has for you in living a significant marriage. Amen. Amen. And it's an incredible resource that we have here at our church that is just available to you. And listen, so many couples who have gone through this, it has radically changed their marriages. The next seminar that's coming up is actually November 10th through the 12th. That's going to be happening here. And many of you in this room right now listening to this, you need to leave this space today. Either go online or go out to the lobby and sign up to do that seminar. Because the reality is that your marriage could use some help. And here's what we, ha- we all have a tendency to do. We all have a tendency to not be real about the real issues going on in our lives and to wait until it's too late as I, I heard a pastor say recently that a lot of times in life or in our marriages, what we tend to do is we have the problem that's been building and just kind of becoming a bigger issue. It's like a two liter uh, Coke bottle that's been shaken up and continue to be shaken. And then eventually it impl- explodes all over the floor. And then when we want to get help is when we're calling somebody to come in and say, Hey, will you put the, the contents all back in the bottle when it becomes a much harder issue? So many of you, can I just encourage you maybe to invest in your marriage today that with help you can get to the other side of this and get to experience a a marriage that is going to be such a huge blessing to you, to your family, to all those around you. And it all begins with just reaching out for help. And we have help available. So if that's you, head out those doors today and go sign up to do the seminar because I know that it will really help your marriage in a tremendous way and over the years as we've been married, I've just learned this simple prayer that maybe I want to offer some of you today. If that's, you're in the room and you're just struggling on this whole marriage thing and how do, I, how do I continue to serve? How do I continue to put in the hard work and sacrifice and become more and more like Christ in my marriage so that my spouse can reap the benefits and the blessings of that? How do I do that? And a simple prayer for me that has been helping me for years now that I pray in those difficult moments is just a simple prayer. It's this, God, would you help me to die to myself? Would you help me to die to myself? Because, man, there's so much selfishness that I still have. So many areas that God wants to use my spouse and my marriage to help me in, to disciple me in. And that's become my prayer more and more in those moments when I feel like it is hard to love. It is hard to sacrifice. It is hard to serve. It is hard to give. God, God would you help me to die to myself? Time and time again, just asking for that help. God has always showed up for me and has given me the strength and the help that I need to continue to live out this call that he has on my life as a husband. You know, earlier first service, we were going through worship, and man, I, I was just a mess. I was bawling my eyes out earlier first service, and I didn't share this in the last service, but I realized that exactly this day a year ago was when we came to Mercy Road Church. And we were just going through a really difficult season in life with what was happening with our daughter's health at the time and walking through a difficult season in our ministry at the time and a year of being here and just seeing the life impact that God has had here and how much he's healed us and grown us and how he's been faithful to us. And I was just bawling my eyes out. Thankfully, there was a magical like box of Kleenex that appeared over there. I don't know who put that there, but thank you for that because I needed that. Here's the thing, a year later now, looking back on the season that we just came out of realizing this that God is faithful God is for you he is for your good and no matter what it is that you're walking through right now I just want to encourage you with that some of you are walking through a season right now where maybe in your marriage there's been infidelity there's been abuse there's been brokenness and you're just wondering where is God in the midst of this mess that I'm going through right now listen he is faithful God is for you God is for your marriage and God is for your good. Will you pray with me? Father, we just thank you for who you are and God, as we've been singing about all morning, that you are a good God and as we're gonna sing in a little bit here that you have good plans for us. And maybe for that person right now who's going through a season where they might not be feeling your goodness right now, God, would you just meet them right where they are today? Remind them that you are good, that you are for them that God, you will never leave them, you will never forsake them, no matter what they're walking through. Father, in those situations, maybe where there's been infidelity, or maybe there's even been abuse, God, we pray that you would step in to that mess. God, we live in a sinful, fallen world, and oftentimes marriage is supposed to be a great blessing, but becomes the place where maybe we might experience our deepest hurt, and for that person who's hurting right now, would you meet them right where they are? Would you walk alongside them, and Lead them out of the season that they're in. And would you just show yourself to be faithful? God, for every marriage in our church right now, I just want to pray the blood of Jesus over every single marriage. Would you protect every marriage? Would you bless every marriage? God, any plans that the enemy has to steal, to kill, and to destroy marriages in this church? God, we pray that those plans would fail, that in our marriages we'd continue to glorify you and continue to point people to you. And would you use us for your glory? In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen.